listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. This is going to be a good one. This has been something that I've actually been uh, thinking about and making notes on, and I've got kind of an outline uh, in my notes for a future project. I'm working on like 17 projects at one time. But this is kind of something that as I've traveled um, over the last 20 years, I've seen uh, people that, you know, God definitely wants to use them. If you're a Christian, God wants to use you for his glory. No question about it. If, if you're a Christian, God wants to use you. But you come back, and a lot of times what happens when you're an evangelist is you travel, and sometimes you're going back to the same places year after year after year. And um, what you find is you'll talk to certain people um, each year over and over, and they're still talking about the same thing. They're still talking about the same thing over and over and over. And um, they, they haven't launched out. Um, they've not done the thing they're called to do. By the way, everybody has a calling. Everybody has a purpose. So don't think that you're somehow exempted from that. But you get back, um, you know, into that same place and have those same conversations, you realize like people, they're not accomplishing. It's not that they don't have something to accomplish. They're not accomplishing it. And so uh, I'm going to tackle that tonight. And I'm actually going to show you um, seven different reasons why uh, people are not accomplishing the thing God called them to do. You know, Paul said it at the end of his life, I've run my race and I've finished my course. That's the key. Not to just run your race, but to finish your course. And um, and so that's what we're going to dive into tonight. Um, my father had a friend that, um, he was a preacher, he was a friend of my grandfather as well, that he would travel around everywhere and preach this message don't fail God like I did. Don't fail God like I did. That was the title of his message. And um, he was telling people about a time in his ministry, a time in his life where he felt like that he failed God in his purpose and his calling. And earlier on in his life, and this was before the Vietnam War, he felt very strongly in his spirit to go to Vietnam and begin to hold crusades, you know, revivals. And he never went. He would always kind of be like, you know, I don't have any contacts there. I don't know anybody in Vietnam. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how it's all going to come together. I don't have the finances necessary to, to do what I need to do in Vietnam. And he never ended up going to Vietnam. And then years later, of course, the Vietnam War hit, um, devastating. And then he ended up finally going to Vietnam years later and even after the Vietnam War. And when he was there... This Vietnamese person came up to him and said, where have you been? And he, and he thought they had the wrong person. You know, he thought, he thought they, were, they were just mistaking him for somebody else. Where have you been? And he's like, well, he's like what do you mean? They, and he, they said, we've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you for years. And, and he couldn't understand why this person was, was saying that. He'd never been to Vietnam before. How, how do you know me? We've been waiting for you for years. And then the person revealed to him that there, the group of believers that were there, that, that this man was referencing, we, he said, we were praying and the Lord showed us you in a vision that told us that you were coming, that you were going to be preaching. And we raised all the money. We raised all the finances that were necessary to hold these crusades, to hold these meetings. And they said, you never came. You never came. He said, we've been waiting for you, but you never came. And he left so convicted about that, that he would travel around and, and tell people, don't fail God like I did. Don't fail God like I did. That is a literally a chilling reminder that God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life, but it's not up to God whether or not you accomplish the thing God called you to do. It is truly up to you, whether you'll obey his voice, whether you'll do what he's asked you to do. And so tonight, I want to expose seven demonic traps that the devil tries to use 
to keep you from fulfilling your calling or fulfill your purpose, to cancel the purpose that's on your life. Now, the only way the devil can truly cancel, he doesn't have authority over you, he can't just come and cancel God's plans in your life, but he can try to deceive you into canceling the plans yourself. And I'm gonna show you seven areas where he works very hard to keep you from doing the thing that you're called to do. So I want you to get something, write these down, make some notes, uh, highlight these verses in your Bible, and keep this in your spirit. And the reason I say that is because you have a very important purpose on your life. You have an extremely important purpose on your life. I want to start there because I don't want you to ever think for one minute that your life is not important, that what God's called you to do is not vital to the kingdom. Paul dealt with this uh, when he was speaking to the Corinthian church, and he told them very specifically that every person in the body is a different member of the same body. And he told them, don't think just because somebody's the eyes of the body that we don't need the ears. Don't think that just because somebody's the mouth, we don't need the nose. He's using a human body as the example that every part serves a different purpose and all the parts are needed. And so don't ever let the devil lie you into believing that the part you play in the kingdom is unnecessary or unimportant. That's a lie. It's not unnecessary. It's not unimportant. What you're doing for God is vital. And, and I also want you to remember this. God has given you a circle of influence. These are people, <clears throat> I may never meet them. Your pastor may never meet them. You know, the, some famous minister may never meet them, but you see them on a daily basis. This is what I call your circle of influence. God has given you responsibility over your circle of influence. And you've got to take that seriously because if you're faithful over a little, God will make you ruler over much. There's people that are believing God's going to send them to some country to hold mass crusades, and they've never even won their neighbor to Jesus. They've never even won a single person one-on-one -on -one to Jesus. So don't take your purpose lightly. Don't act like it's something small. It's not. It's vital. You are very important in the kingdom of God. That's something you need to understand right off the bat. You are very important in the kingdom of God. And the reason I'm saying that to you is because if you believe the lie that it's not important whether or not you specifically fulfill your purpose, then you've already lost. You've got to understand what you're called to do, who you're called to be is vitally important. And so I want to reveal this to you. I want to give you these, these seven demonic traps that the devil tries to use to cancel your purpose. The first one is this. People's purpose gets canceled because they're unsure what it is. That's number one. If you're taking notes, put them in the comments. Number one, unsure what it is. I talk to a lot of people that that's the case. Well, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing in life. You know, I, I don't even understand where I'm supposed to be. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. You know, there's, there's Christian, I mean, spirit-filled young people that they'll go off to university and change their major three times while they're in school because they're not sure what they're called to do. They're just unsure. And that's not, that doesn't have to be the case for your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that God gave us the Holy Spirit. And one of the main jobs that the Holy Spirit fulfills is that he leads you and guides you into all truth. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, uh, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So every one of us has the ability to be led by God's Spirit. Don't allow this one trap, this deception, to keep you in that fog where I just, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. Don't allow yourself to remain in a place where you're unsure. Don't allow it. You have a connection to the one who is the spiritual guide. That's the Holy Ghost. He's your spiritual guide. I often tell people that the Holy Spirit is like heaven's GPS, like heaven's GPS. And that, that was Romans 8, 14. That's the point I'm making, that every child of God is led 
by the Spirit of God. He's heaven's GPS. He leads you and guides you into all truth. And I often remind people, one of the things you've got to do is spend time in fasting and prayer, especially for big decisions in your life. If you're getting ready to make a big decision, you know, where to go to university or if you're going to go to college, uh, you know, what career path to take, who you're going to marry, where you're going to move, where you go to church. These are not small decisions. These are important decisions. And because they are, they require, in my opinion, they require extra caution before you make them. And I would never make any major life decision without first consulting the Holy Spirit. Because if I know God has a plan for my life, why would I not include him in when I'm, when I'm making my plans? Why would I not include the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, speak to me. Tell me where you want me to go. And one of the things that I'm very happy about is that at each crucial point in my life, I've included the Holy Spirit. When I was getting ready to go to Bible school, I, I prayed and, and fasted. And the Lord actually at the last minute changed where I was going to Bible school because in in my normal state, my natural mind, I was just going to go where the rest of my family went. I was just going to follow the tradition and go to that same place. But then I prayed, I fasted, and the Holy Spirit gave me a different instruction. When I left Bible school, I had all the plans to be an evangelist and immediately begin to travel and preach, but I prayed and fasted. And the Holy Spirit told me to move to Virginia and to help my uncle as he planted the church in Virginia Beach. I mean, every step when I was still on staff and I felt the Holy Ghost say, now's the time to launch out in evangelism. That was the leading of the Holy Spirit. When it was time to leave Virginia and come to Florida, nobody even understood why I was doing it. He said, you're an evangelist. You can live anywhere. Why do you need to move? The only reason I moved is because the Holy Spirit said to. That's all. One night driving in the car from Pittsburgh to Rochester, New York, I prayed in the Holy Spirit. I was the only one in the car. And I prayed and prayed, and then I heard the Holy Spirit speak. It's time to move your family from Virginia Beach to South Florida. That's the only reason I moved. There were no different opportunities. There was nothing opening up to me in South Florida. I only moved for that reason. And then just about a year and a half ago, a little more, we heard the instruction to add to the ministry and launch Miracle Word Church. Every step along the way has been a leading of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful because when the Holy Spirit leads you, this may, this may sound cliche, this may sound like it's you know trite, but when the Holy Spirit leads you, he also feeds you. Where he guides, he provides. And if you need to write that down, put it in the comments section. This will help you immensely. Where the Holy Spirit leads you, he feeds you. Where God guides, he provides. That's why it's so vital to be led by the Holy Spirit, because where he leads you, he feeds you. Where he guides, he provides. And every step along the way, the Holy Spirit has not only been my guide, he's been my provider. And so it's amazing to watch it happen. It's, a, it's very important to know this is where I'm called to be. There's nothing like being right in the middle of the will of God for your life. Nothing. There's nothing like that. And so if you're in that place right now and the devil's using confusion to stop you, he's using that, that, that fog, if you will, where you're just kind of coasting and don't know which way you should go. If that's the deception that's keeping you back from accomplishing your purpose, then let that come to an end tonight. Let that come to a quick end. And whatever you got to do, get yourself into a place where uh, you remove distractions Take some time to fast and pray and hear from the Lord and do what he's called you to do. Let me, let me say this before I move on. Jacob, when he was wanting an encounter with the Lord, he was camped with his family, his servants, his livestock, everything, all of his possessions. He was camped next to the Jabbok River. And that night, he sent everybody across the river, his family, his servants, his livestock, all of his possessions, and he alone remained on the other side of the river. And when he was by himself, finally, free from distractions, there was nothing else around him, the Lord came and wrestled with him that night. One of the reasons many people never have an encounter with God or hear the voice of the Lord is because there are too many distractions in their life that keep them 
from hearing the voice of the Lord. It's not that God doesn't want to speak. He wants to speak. He is speaking. It's that are we listening? Are we hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying? And so I'm encouraging you, remove distractions. Take some time to fast and pray. Press in and ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that I'm called to do? Where am I called to go? Number two, this is very important. A second trap that the devil will use to try to cancel your purpose is crippling insecurity. Crippling insecurity. I'm not good enough to accomplish it. I know God called me to do that thing. I, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. That's beyond me. That I don't have the skills. I don't have the resources. People will make fun of me if I do it. I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes to do that. Crippling insecurity is number two. And it's a, it's a lie, number one. Absolutely a lie. But on the other side of that, <clears throat> remember that Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what kind of spirit did he give us? Power and love and a sound mind or self-control, self-discipline. And so people get locked into this insecurity and then they never move forward either because they don't think they are, they have what it takes, they, they are capable or because of, you know, what other people might think of them. You know, I can, people will think I'm, I'm stupid for doing that. You know, this, this make people think I'm, I'm and, and then they're locked in the same place. They never accomplish their purpose. They never move forward because they've succumbed to a spirit of fear, that insecurity, and they're not able to do what God's called them to do. Faith is the opposite. You know, it makes me think of the 12 spies that got sent into the promised land, into Canaan. And when they came back, 10 of them, had this same process in their mind, crippling insecurity. And you know what's some, a verse that many people miss? When they came back, Numbers 13, they came back to report to the congregation what they saw. Only Joshua and Caleb had faith and said, we're able, let's go right now. Let's go right now and take the promised land. Only those two. The other 10 said, no, we're not able. We're not able. First of all, Giants live there. Secondly, they have fortified cities. But then they said this, we are like grasshoppers in their eyes. Get that. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes, but they didn't stop there. Now, this is the one I, don't, I want you to catch. They said, we are also like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That's the problem. That's a massive problem because who cares what they think of you? Who cares what the giants think of you? How do you see yourself in the spirit? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Or do you see yourself as the world sees you? As the devil wants you to see yourself. Insufficient, incapable, right? And so the big problem was not that they said, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. You know, that's the same way Goliath felt about David. Am I some kind of dog that you send this little boy out here to fight me? Okay, well, that's how Goliath felt. Didn't, didn't change how David felt. David felt like trash talking. He was so sure that he was going to have victory, he trash talked a giant. <laughs> That'd be a good book title, Trash Talking Giants. But, but literally, that's what he did. He said, today, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. I mean, just told him straight up, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. See, that's the difference between David and those other 10 spies that went into the promised land. They all saw themselves through the lens of the giant. David saw himself through the lens of God and who God said he was. You see that? That's a big difference. I'm either seeing myself through the lens of my enemy or through the lens of God's word. Please get that. You will either see yourself through the lens of your enemy and he'll talk to you. He'll deceive you. He'll say things that try to change your perspective. I will either, I will either see myself through the lens of my enemy or through the lens of God's word. Very important. Very, very important. And so... Crippling insecurity is a killer. Don't allow it to stop you 
from going where you're called to go, from doing what you're called to do. Do not let it stop you from accomplishing your purpose. The devil would love for you to operate by a spirit of fear on a daily basis. We refuse. That's why I started with that song. We have a spirit of faith. We have a spirit of faith. Paul said that we've got the same spirit of faith as it is written, we believed, therefore we spoke, right? And then he said, we also believe, therefore we also speak. Notice how Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies, spoke when they came back. The way to overcome this is to operate by a spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith is released by speaking. The spirit of faith is released by speaking. I'm going to say it one more time so you get it deep in your spirit. The spirit of faith is released by speaking. Change what you're saying. Talk like Joshua and Caleb. No, no. Let's go up at once for we are well able to take the land. We are well able to take the land. I feel the anointing on that, man. We are well able to take the land. Then they said this, the giants that live there, they are like bread to us and their protection is removed from them. <laughs> I love that, man. I could talk about that for two hours. Their protection is removed from them. Don't allow crippling insecurity to destroy your ability to accomplish what God has called you to do. Number three, put this down. Many people fall into the trap of listening to wrong voices. That's number three. Listening to wrong voices. That's a mistake. One of the things that I'm sure you may be familiar with is that the enemy knows how to use other people to try to stop you from going the direction God called you to go. And they listen to the wrong voices. And because they do, they don't listen. Listen, not only do I have to have a spirit of faith, I need to surround myself with people who have a spirit of faith. I need to surround myself with people that are moving forward and talking like that, talking by faith. I don't need people. If I'm getting ready to try to accomplish the biggest thing I've ever done, I don't need people around me that are like, well, I don't know if now's the time, and you know, you better be careful, and you need to use wisdom. I don't need all that. I need people who walk and talk the spirit of faith. And, and they're, they're saying what the Bible says. You know, I often think about when Nehemiah was building and rebuilding, I should say, the walls of Jerusalem. You know what happened? There were men that came to kill him. You know what they said? Hey, come down off the wall. We want to speak to you. Their names were Sambalat and Tobiah. Come off the wall. We want to speak to you. They had a plan to kill him. You know what he said? I don't have time. I don't have time. I refuse to come down and speak to those who have all, they have alternate agendas. I refuse to come down and speak to those that have alternate agendas. If you're not, get, see it this way. Everybody that Nehemiah needed to talk to was already on the wall. They were already doing the work with him. That's all the people I need to talk to. The ones that are raised up to the level that I'm at, that are actually going after it, that are actually doing the work, I need those people around me, the people that are attacking it. You know, I tell people this often. <laughs> Don't take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. <laughs> Don't take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. Armchair quarterbacks yelling at an NFL quarterback because he threw an interception while there's nacho cheese on their face. You know, and they're sitting there. They can barely get out of the lazy boy, let alone step on an NFL football field and throw a completion. <laughs> they're, not, they're not even close. They're not even close. But they're going to sit there and yell at some NFL quarterback because he threw it. I wouldn't have thrown that pass. You can't even step on the field. You can't even step on the field. So there are people that will try, try to give you opinions and they'll try to tell you what you should be doing and they'll tell you how you should be doing it. But look at the fruit of their life. Have they ever constructed what you're believing to build? Have they ever done that? Have they ever constructed what you're believing to build? If they haven't, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be nasty about it, but it goes in one ear 
and out the other. Because there has to be, what basis? I mean, think about that. What basis are you even telling me this stuff? What foundation do you have? What gives you authority? What gives you the qualification to guide me forward? And many times, uh, and sadly for some people, it's family. Family tries to discourage them from doing what God's called them to do. I can't tell you how many people, young people, I've talked to that they want to go into ministry. They want to go to Bible college and go into the ministry full time. And then they've got parents that say, well, you know, I don't know how lucrative that is financially. And you probably should go to university first and get a degree that you can fall back on. And, you know, if you if it doesn't, if the ministry doesn't work out, that's not faith. And that's not obedience to God. That's not obedience to God. And so there's people around them talking them out of doing what God called them to do. Total mistake. It's a total mistake. So people listen to the wrong voices. You say, well, how then do I listen to the right voices? Let me give you some parameters. Let's talk about some parameters. Number one, is the person you're listening to even saved? <laughs> I mean, that, that seems pretty, uh, you know, it seems pretty obvious. But then you've got people who have kept others around them for years, and they're only friends just because they've known each other for a long time. Well, we've known each other since middle school, and now, you know, we're 40. What, what does that mean? The, the person doesn't even serve the Lord. They've not gone forward. They don't, you understand? They're, they're not qualified. So they're, not, they're an unequal yoke in your life. I'm not listening to what you have to say. Number two, have they, as I said before, what's the fruit of their life? What's the fruit of their life? Have they done what you're believing to do? That's why it's so much better to find people that have gone beyond where you're going and hear what they have to say. And number three, do they have a spirit of faith? Are they people that speak what the word of God says? Or are they always saying something that contradicts the word of God? If they constantly contradict the word of God, I'm out. I don't need that. I don't need that. I refuse to contradict the word of God. I refuse God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I'm not going to contradict the word of God, and I don't need people around me that are going to contradict the word of God. So those are just a few parameters that you can set in place. What voices should I be listening to? And then listen. I'll take it to the next step, which is the fourth trap that the devil tries to use to keep people from their purpose. The fourth thing is a lack of impartation. Now, I alluded to this a moment ago when I said, find those that have gone out ahead of you that are beyond where you're at and they, they are where you want to go. That's somebody that I can receive from because they've been where I've been. They are where I want to be. And obviously, they did something or knew something that got them there where I want to go. And that's something that uh, is not talked about often in our generation. But there is a true lack of of impartation. That's why, you know, that's why I wrote the book further faster because people in my generation and under didn't, don't even understand that there is impartation, let alone that they should be, uh, you know, taking advantage of it. And so I had to think to myself, you know, when I was writing that book, how am I going to even explain to people what this book is about when it comes out? Because if people don't even understand that imp what impartation is, that it exists, then why, why, would they, why would they feel as though they need it? So I had to take time and actually think, how am I going to explain to people when I'm talking about this book what it's even about? And the Lord gave me an idea one day when I first moved to Florida. And if you've ever heard me tell it, it was the, the swimming race between Madeline and Brooklyn when they were younger. And Madeline, who is extremely competitive, never let her sister win at anything. And still, if she has the opportunity, will not let her win at anything. And Brooklyn was getting frustrated. I was in the pool with them. And so I told him, let's do one more race. And Maddie got on the wall of the pool. She was ready to kick off. And I said, three, two, one, go. And Maddie kicked off, started swimming underwater. And I grabbed my little daughter, Brooklyn, and threw her through the air. <laughs> she landed way out in front of Maddie and then kicked and swam and finally won the race. Maddie understood what I did, and she was like, Dad, you cheated. But really what I did is I gave Brooklyn impartation because I imparted my strength into her body 
so that she could go further, faster than she could go on her own. And that was just an easy way for people to understand what impartation is and how it functions, how it works, how it works. Paul said that very thing uh, to Timothy. He said, stir up the gift that lies within you that came through the laying on of my hands. So Paul actually gave or imparted a gift, a spiritual gift to Timothy when he laid hands on him. He said the same thing to the Roman church, Romans 1.11. Paul said, I long to be with you. For what purpose? That I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be strengthened. So Paul had a plan to impart spiritual gifts into the Christians in Rome, the Roman church. And he said, I'm coming to do that very thing and then it'll strengthen you. So there's an ability, you can actually receive impartation from those that have gone before you and you can receive what they have. Now it comes in different forms. It may come in the form of a spiritual gift, it may come in the form of wisdom or imparted knowledge and wisdom, a spirit of wisdom and revelation it may come in multiple different ways, but it will increase the calling that's upon your life. It'll increase your purpose comes different ways, but it will, and I don't have time to talk about all of it, but if you want to get it, it's called Further Faster. You can get it at our website, shop.miracleword.com. It's also on Amazon. You can also get it for your Kindle uh, in the Amazon store or Apple Books, but it's called Further Faster. And it's basically the whole thought is how God accelerates your purpose through the force of impartation, how God accelerates your purpose. God doesn't want you to slowly move through your life. God wants you to, with speed, run quickly into the calling and purpose he's given you. And so this will show you how. And I can't teach on the whole thing here and now, but if you'd like to get the book, you can get it on Kindle, as I said, Apple Books, and uh, we'll put the link in the description as well so that you can, you can grab it. And so impartation is God's v vehicle, if you will, to move people from where they are to where he wants them to be. Elijah and Elisha were a mentor and mentee. And Elisha said to him, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go. So Elisha ended up performing double the amount of miracles that Elijah performed in his ministry through impartation. So there's something you can receive from those that have gone before you, and it's a spiritual reception it's impartation. And God set that in place in the body of Christ so that every generation doesn't have to start at ground zero. And you should seek out impartation. You should seek these things out. Look, examine the landscape. Who's been where I'm going? Who knows? And then you have to be able to access that resource. Go after it. You know, when I'm not preaching, if I'm not in meetings, I'll go to meetings. I'll go to revivals. I'll go to camp meetings. I'll go to conferences and I'll receive. I'm never going to be too proud to receive from somebody else. I'll never be too proud to receive from those that are ahead of me ever, not ever. And that's something that meekness, that humility will cause you to continue to increase for the rest of your life. If you humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. First Peter 5, 5. If you humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. Number five, the fifth thing that the devil uses to try to cancel your purpose is living in sin. Now, you might think, well, I'm a Christian. Well, yeah, but one of the biggest lies that we've received over the last 20 years is the hyper grace message that your actions don't matter. Let me just say this. There is a difference between righteousness and holiness. And I'm going to explain the difference to you. There's a difference between righteousness and holiness. What are the, what is the difference? Righteousness is the position in which you stand. You are in right standing with God. 
You're in right standing with God. So as a Christian, you can't gain your righteousness. It's a, a free gift from God. Your salvation is your righteousness. The moment you're saved, you are placed into right standing with God. And so it's a position. If you're taking notes, write it down. Righteousness is a position. It's positional. But holiness is an action. Get that. Righteousness is a position. Holiness is an action. So understand that there's a difference and there's a reason there's a difference. Because just because you may commit a sin, it doesn't mean you immediately lose your salvation because you don't. But if you continue on living in willful sin, then it will keep God from being able to use you in the thing that he wants to use you for. Case in point, 2 Timothy, in fact, I'll take you there, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is a great, great example. And the reason it's a great example is because this is a letter from Paul, the one who's imparting, to Timothy, who is the younger minister that's receiving instruction from the older minister who's his mentor. He's receiving impartation of wisdom. And two verses that I want you to see, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 20 and 21. 20 and 21. Listen to this. Uh, Paul writes, Now, in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what's dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every, get that, good work, ready for every good work. Notice that means that if you're not a vessel of gold and silver, but of wood and clay, there are works that God can't use you for. There are things he can't use you to do. If you're only a vessel of wood and clay, because according to apostle Paul, you've not cleansed yourself. You've not come out uh, from the things that the devil uses to entangle you. Then you're not useful for every good work, Paul says, for maybe a few, but not every. But if you cleanse yourself, the Bible says, if anyone cleanses himself from what's dishonorable. Now, let me just make a point here. It is not God's responsibility to cleanse you. It is your responsibility to cleanse yourself. I'm talking about after salvation. I'm not talking about your salvation experience. Please don't take that out of context and misunderstand what I'm saying. We receive uh, our salvation as a free gift. It's, it's by uh, grace through faith. No question. It's not of works. You don't get your salvation by doing holy works, good works, righteous works. You don't get it that way. You get it by grace through faith. But after you're saved, James wrote, faith without works is dead. So your faith should have some actions attached to it that prove that you are a part of the body of Christ. And Paul tells Timothy, cleanse yourself. And Timothy's already a Christian. Timothy's already full of the Holy Ghost. Timothy's already a pastor. He said, cleanse yourself from what's dishonorable and the master will be able to use you for every good work. Did you know Paul even said it about himself? He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, on a daily basis, I have to put my body under and make it do what it should so that after having preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So Paul was telling Timothy the same thing he did himself. He practiced what he preached. He cleansed himself. He purified himself. And this is what I wanted you to see. This is the difference between righteousness and holiness. This is the difference between righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is a position. Holiness is an action. Righteousness is a position. Holiness is an action. And the Bible says 
uh, and Peter encourages us to do this, that we are to live in such a way that we take actions that are worthy of our calling. So there are some actions that are unworthy of our calling, right? And so there are things that you can do that will keep you from being able to carry out your purpose, or at the very least, they will keep you from being able to fulfill your calling to the fullest because you'll not be qualified to do all of the things that God's called you to do. This is why it's so vital that you obey the word of God. I'm working on a project right now, and um, I'm in the project, I'm defining what humility truly is. What is the very clearest uh, definition of biblical humility? I'll tell you, simply obeying God's word. That's the most simple definition of humility that you could ever have. Simply obeying God's word. That's what being humble is. Because you're acknowledging, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. That's humility. And when you do that, God can exalt you. No question about it. God can exalt you. Let me give you the last two. Number six, the sixth thing that keeps people from fulfilling their purpose, that cancels their purpose, is discouragement. Put it in the comments. Number six, discouragement. What ends up happening is if you don't stay stirred up in your spirit, if you don't stay encouraged in the Lord, and the, de- the devil's actually able to discourage you in the midst of your work, you could be already doing the thing God called you to do. Some people get discouraged before they start. Others get discouraged after they've been working for a period of time. But the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, I believe it's verse 9, that we are not to grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep yourself encouraged in the Lord. You know, it's one of the biggest reasons ministers quit the ministry and leave the ministry and go do something else. It's because they've, they're discouraged. They're fully discouraged and they, and they can't keep going. They can't keep moving forward. Now, let me tell you, when you're accomplishing your purpose, the devil fights hard to stop you from accomplishing what God has for your life. Fights hard. And he wants to discourage you. He'll lie to you and lie to you and lie to you to discourage you so that you quit. Right in the middle of what God's called you to do. So let me give you uh, some things to keep yourself from becoming discouraged. Let me just give you a couple of things that'll help you so that this is one thing that'll never affect your life. Never. Number one, pray in the spirit daily. Not for a little bit. Pray in the spirit. I'm talking about praying in tongues. Pray in tongues daily. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul wrote this, that someone who prays in the spirit is encouraging or edifying themselves. Someone who prays in the spirit is edifying themselves. Not others, themselves. So there's something about praying in the spirit that stirs you up, that encourages you. There's an element to that praying in the spirit that encourages your spirit. And then of course, if you look at Jude verse 20, the Bible says, but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy ghost. So you can build up or strengthen your faith, the faith you already have by praying in the Holy ghost. So in order to not be discouraged, number one, pray daily in the Holy Spirit. Take time. Pray until you feel the breakthrough in your spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Number two, fill yourself. Listen, fill yourself with God's word. It's a source of joy. It's a source of encouragement. Jeremiah, I quote this all the time. Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah said, I found your word, Lord, and I ate it, and it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul or of my heart. What did he do? He found God's word and he devoured it, and it became the joy and rejoicing of his soul. 
So pray in the spirit on a daily basis. Fill yourself with the word of God every day. Every day. Number three, if you want to keep yourself encouraged all the time, you're not going to fail because of discouragement. Surround yourself with people that are encouraging. I know that's I know that sounds like I know that sounds like it's it's very obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people allow others into their circle that are negative. They're just negative all the time and negative about everything. All the time. Always talking about the bad things. You know, and it's like, dude, I get I get it. Stuff's going on in the world. I get it. Things in the culture don't look great. I get it. But my eyes are not what's on what's going on in the world. My eyes are on what the, the Word of God says, what the Spirit of God is using me to do through me. I need people around me that are encouraging people. Just stay sad around me for a little bit. That's a good way to get less and less of my time. It's a great way to get less and less of my time. Just be sad all the time. Be, be, be down all the time. That's a great way to do it because I need to be surrounded by people that are not only encouraged, they're encouraging the words they speak. As I said a moment ago, you're not listening to the wrong voices because you don't have the wrong people in your life. I need people around me that are going to speak encouraging words, not telling me, I don't know. I just don't see it happening for you. Uh, Who cares? I need encouraging people. I need encouraging people. And then number four, I'll say this to encourage yourself. Praise God on a daily basis. This is different than prayer. Praise is different than prayer. But when you praise God on a daily basis, literal praise activates God's presence. And then when you are in God's presence, when you are acknowledging it, when you've activated it, the Bible tells us in Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Fullness of joy. So don't allow the devil to use discouragement to cancel your purpose. And finally, number seven, the seventh demonic trap that the devil tries to use to cancel people's purpose is financial lack or fear, either financial fear or financial lack. I don't have the money. I don't know if I'm ever going to have the money. I just don't know where it's coming from. I just don't think I'd be able to make it. I don't think I have what... And the devil uses financial fear, financial lack. It's the same thing I mentioned a minute ago. When people feel called to the ministry and then their families, you know, I don't, I don't know if, you know, ministry's that lucrative. I don't know. If, I mean, what are you going to do if you fail? What are you going to do if, you know, I actually, my, my high school guidance counselor said to me plainly, because she was horrified that I'd only applied to one college leaving, leaving school. She actually said to me in her office, what are you going to do if you start preaching and nobody likes your preaching? <laughs> I mean, literally, she was, she was horrified, you know, that I would have nothing to fall back on. I mean, in her mind, I was headed for financial ruin because I was going to get out there. I had, in her mind, stupidly only applied to one college. She's thinking, what if Bible college doesn't accept you and you get rejected and you've got nowhere else to go? They don't even understand Bible colleges don't reject you. And, and I'm sitting there laughing inside because she's just horrified. What are you going to do if you preach and people don't like your preaching? Try, you know, and, and that's people will allow that, that kind of a thought process. I don't know if it's going to work. I'm going to be a failure. I won't have enough. I'll be without. I, you know, and, and then that financial lack, financial fear. I'll tell you another thing. This will help you too. When you're doing a thing that God called you to do. Now, God can bring all of the resources in in advance. But I'll tell you another thing. There's times that God will tell you to do something and he wants you to get started. He wants you to get started now. And it doesn't matter that you don't have all of the finances set aside. He wants you to step out by faith and get started and trust him. And he'll, that, that he'll provide. He's the provider. And there are times when you've got to just do the thing God called you to do and don't worry that all of the finances are not there right now. They're coming. They're coming. Your obedience. What did I say at the beginning? Where he leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides. 
They're coming. If you're obedient to his voice and his voice alone, it's coming. He's going to provide for you. Don't be afraid to step out because the finances aren't there right now, this exact moment. People mess up, man. I remember when uh, reading the story when Dr. Sumrall, the Lord spoke to him to start Feed the Hungry, who we're still partners with today. Um, when God spoke to Dr. Sumrall, you know, he realized at one point in his ministry, you know, I can't keep putting this food on ships, cargo ships to take around the world. It's taking too long. We need to get this in planes, you know, and, and he needed a cargo plane and he really needed uh, a C-130 cargo plane. But the only problem was they were not declassified yet. This, this was still classified technology for the government. And he literally stood before, uh, I believe Congress and asked them to declassify the plane or the plans for the plane so he could buy one. Somebody asked him once, how much money did you have to buy that C-130 when you stood before the government to ask them to declassify the plans? He said, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money to buy the plane when I stood before them and asked them to declassify the plans. But he knew it's what he needed. And he was the first civilian to buy a C-130 cargo plane when they became available. The first one to do it. And so you have to step out. Don't allow financial fear or financial lack to stop you from doing the thing God's called you to do, from stepping out by faith. Because listen, the thing you're going to accomplish for the Lord, it's going to take finances, no question about it. It's going to take uh, uh, you know, resources and it's going to take increase, but God's a God of increase. God's a God of finances. God is a God of resources. He's unlimited in his ability to provide for you. Don't allow that to be the thing that cripples you and stops you from moving forward in your purpose. And I want to encourage you, these seven things, if you'll write this down, if you'll get it in your spirit, because I've seen it time after time after time, these are the things that keep people from attacking their purpose. It actually is the things the devil uses to try to cancel your calling, to try to cancel your purpose. The devil would love nothing more than for you to not fulfill uh, what God's called you to do, or as Paul said, to not be able to run your race and finish your course. But I want to encourage you, you are going to run your race and you are going to finish your course and you'll do exactly what God has called you to do. No question about it. You'll do exactly what God has called you to do. And I'm telling you, I'm excited because I'm looking at, I'm in the comments, people are engaging. I can see that, but I know you're believing for bigger. 2024 is going to be a year that blows our mind. And I know you're believing for bigger. If you are, if you're with me on this, I want you to put it in the comments right now. All capital letters, bigger. Like a dad texting before there were smartphones. All capital letters, bigger. Put it in the comments. You're believing for more. You're going to another level. We all are in Jesus' name. And the devil is not going to stop us from accomplishing our purpose. He's not going to stop us. We're moving up. Glory to God. We're moving up. Thank you, Jesus. We're leveling up by the Holy Ghost. The momentum of heaven is behind us, pushing us forward by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Spirit of God is behind us, pushing us full force. We're running into greater. Hallelujah. We're running into greater in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person that's watching me right now that they would accomplish the thing that you've said in their heart. Number one, I pray for those that are in that place I described at the beginning. They don't know what it is you want them to do. They don't know what their purpose is right now. I pray before we even finish the year that they would have such a clear vision of their purpose, of their calling, that nothing could dissuade them. Nothing would move them to the side. Let them see it. And those of us that know what we're called to do, I pray in Jesus' name, a new boldness, a new faith, a spirit of faith would come upon us like never before. That December would be a banner month. That we're closing out this year in total victory by the power of the Holy Ghost. I feel the anointing on that tonight. The power of the Holy Ghost. We're moving on 
in strength. We're moving on in power in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it, Lord. Every roadblock's moved out of our way. Every hindrance is removed. We're moving unharassed, unhindered, untouched into our promise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you believe that, put some fire in the comments. Throw some hands up in the comments tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen to me. If this ministry has blessed you, I want to encourage you tonight to sow a seed. I want you to join the 750-person army. That's what God gave me, the 750-person army, and sow a seed. I've asked the Lord to send 750 people that will sow a $1,000 seed or more, whatever the Lord speaks to them, but at least a $1,000 seed toward what God is doing in these final moments of time. We are literally on the verge of the return of Jesus Christ. If we can't see that now with everything that's going on around the world, then we need to open our eyes. The signs of the times are right in front of our face, right in front of our face. And so I want to encourage you, and you'll, we'll put that on the screen. You'll see the lower third, the ways you can give. But I want to challenge you tonight to do something by faith that you've never done before. Do something. If you're believing for a financial harvest, listen to me. The thing that unlocks financial harvest is financial seed. There's nothing else. Here's something. Can I share a secret, secret with you that almost nobody talks about? There is no other way to see a financial harvest come back to you than through sowing financial seed. You cannot pray for it. It's not scriptural. There's nowhere in the Bible where you can simply just pray for God to send financial harvest. It's a system of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. And I'm going to tell you something. We've got a word over this ministry. Do you know what that word is? We got a prophecy that I'm standing on, that God is raising up multimillionaires within this ministry, people that are connected to miracle word. We have a prophetic word. God is raising up multimillionaires in this ministry. I'm believing you're going to be one of those. You might be, people might be watching and say, I don't believe that. May not, it's, not the, it's not you then. But I'm believing that those that receive it are stepping up into that next level. No question. We're stepping up into that next level. And God is raising up multimillionaires in this ministry, people that are connected to this ministry. I'm standing with you. God's going to give you your own business, business ideas. He's going to cause you to prosper. You're going to have favor that other people don't understand. You're going to make deals that other people wonder how you even found out about it. That's what happens when God's force of momentum is behind you. It just begins to click. It clicks. And it all begins with the faithfulness to sow a seed. And so I want to encourage you to sow seed tonight. Go to the website, miracleword.com. You can use the digital forms of payment uh, if you'd like to do that. But join the 750-person army You'll see a drop-down that'll actually say Project David, and I want you to sow there. We have something we want to send you. I did a series called The Secrets of the Greats, and as you'll see on the screen, we put together a bundle with books written by the different people I covered, Jack Coe and you know Smith Wigglesworth, A.A. Allen, John G. Lake, and others that we want to package and send to you. It's just a way to say thank you for standing with me and Carolyn and the Miracle Word team for Project David. We're going to see God shake this nation before Jesus comes. No question. We're going to see God shake this nation supernaturally. And you play a massive role in what this ministry is doing. Remember that. I love the verse of Scripture. Those who receive a prophet in the name of a prophet receive a prophet's reward. That's a principle. I'm not using that Scripture to tell you that I'm a prophet. What I'm telling you is that's how God does things. When you stand and believe, notice the scripture and the way it's worded. Those that receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, they receive a prophet's reward. They don't have to be a prophet themselves to receive the prophet's reward. When you connect yourself with what God's doing and what he said, you receive the same reward as the one who's doing the work. And you're going to see it laid up to your account. Hallelujah. It will be laid up to your account. That's what I'm believing. That not only is 2024 going to blow your mind, December is going to blow your mind. 
in Jesus' mighty name. December will be mind-blowing for you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.